God knows that all of us are train wrecks. And because of that, Jesus came while we were yet sinners. So if our interactions at a human level stay at that human level, and we're just trying to sort of slapping people on the hand for their behaviors, and not seeing that they have a soul that will never die, that that's more important than modifying their behaviors, then we're missing an opportunity. Hey, welcome back to Real Talk. Thanks for hanging out with us. Before we get into it, I have a beef to pick with the educational system. <laughs> My kid came home and had done a test or a worksheet or something, and the teacher marked wrong when the answer was, is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? The teacher didn't know that a tomato was a fruit. The teacher. What is happening in our school system? Everything is going fruity. But I thought what we would do is start with, do you know your fruits and vegetables? Fruit or vegetable? Carrot. Vegetable. Cucumber. Vegetable. That's a fruit. No, 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 no. A cucumber is a fruit. It has seeds. It has seeds. Pea pods. Fruit. Artichoke. Vegetable. Bell pepper. Vegetable. <laughs> Fruit. You do play on my uh, dyslexia because I'm like, yeah, seeds, <laughs> therefore it is a fruit. Rutabaga. <laughs> Rutabaga? You don't even know what, what is it is, that? do you? Yeah. That's not rup- rhubarb. Oh, no, but what is rhubarb? That's a vegetable. That is a vegetable, that's right. Lots of people know. think it's a fruit because you bake with it. So seeds? Eggplant? Eggplant has seeds, so it's therefore fruit. it's a fruit. There you go. I learned. You passed. You did all right. What about so tomatoes? Fruit. fruit. It has seeds. What about an avocado? <laughs> oh what? <laughs> what about an avocado? <laughs> wow. That is that was a- funny. <laughs> it has a nut. It's a fruit. An avocado has a. It's a fruit. It has yeah. a seed. What about an acorn? That's a nut. So it's a... <laughs> I don't think it's any of those. It's a fruit. Yes, it is. It has to be one or the other. It's a, An acorn is a fruit. It's a nut. I know. And nut is fruit. That's not true. It's true. true. Yes, that it is. That is not true. Yes, a it legume is. is a fruit? If you have an almond, you would say that's the fruit of the tree. Peanut? Yeah, fruit. Why don't you look this up? We'll talk about something else. Let's Why don't go, you look wait, this let's up? go we'll back, to, back to the judges. <laughs> Where did that come from? Who in the culture? Please, someone tell us in the comments below in what part of the country would something be called, or how would somebody even say Avocado? <laughs> Mikel is going to. All right. Yes. Wow. It is considered, wow. all those nuts are considered fruits. All nuts? Yeah. Peanuts? Yeah, yeah. Acorn contains the seeds. Yes. Well, that would it's, make it a fruit then, right? wouldn't it? And so this is why our <laughs> our watchers from California come from the land of fruit and nuts. Okay. Because it's both. You okay. know what else they have in California? Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> would they, now what, who would say avocado? I don't, sure. What accent is that? I don't know. <laughs> Okay, hard right turn. Here's what we're talking about. Last week we talked about um, There's something, something in your water. water. <laughs> it's an avocado. <laughs> Did you dunk okay. in my water? No. What's in there? Thank you. I'm not going to dunk. Go ahead. Okay, last week we talked about Christians approaching sin 
approaching other Christians about sin in their life, right? Mm -hmm. And then we sort of set one thing aside. We're going to bring it back up again. So that's today we're talking about how do Christians call out sin in non-believers? All right, so last week was how do we call it out in brothers and sisters in Christ? Mm. How do we, or do we ever, call out sin that we see in the lives of non-believers? What? Not sure why I'm laughing. I don't know why you're laughing either. Sin and non-believers. Okay. In some ways, it's not as simple. We don't have uh, we don't have sort of the Jesus card to play. Like, hey, you're a Christ follower. Like, you're you're supposed to live to this standard, and I see something in your life. We don't have that to play. At, at the other end of the spectrum, though, is like, there's this idea people have said, you can't act, you can't expect non-believers to act like believers, right? And true. that's kind of true, mm-hmm. but we also don't want to dismiss sin because sin is destructive. Mm-hmm. And so like people that we love who aren't walking with the Lord, if there's sin in their life, we don't want them to continue down a path of sins, destroying them. So how do we go about um, sort of calling that out? Obviously, walking the line of Christians for a long time have been accused of being judgmental, and some have been judgmental, mm-hmm. but how do we do this rightly? So naming that there's a fundamental difference between someone who has put their trust in Jesus yep. and the lifestyle and decisions is very different than someone who has not yet. Right. So we have to have the ability to separate out. There's a difference. Yeah, there is. I mean, sin is sin. And yet, I was going to say, yeah. sin is still, I mean, you last time used the word, it's objective, right? There's yep. there's things that are right and there's things that are evil. And so sin, whether it's committed by a believer or a non-believer, it is evil. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it is, I think it's great to have a conversation. I think for sin is evil and wrong before God for believer and non-believer. And it's also destructive. For believer right? or non-believer. So regardless of your eternal destiny and your relationship with God, it is on earth, destructive, right. regardless of, oh, I'm not sure I really ever thought about how to parse it out this way, but I I do think that I, I don't think, I don't think I would confront sin in the life of a non-believer. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's something about even that framing which seems like we 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 have a, we have a set standard of rules that we've all agreed upon and because we've agreed upon them and you've deliberately walked outside of that I'm like hey you mean to another believer yeah yeah it's like to a believer it's like okay we have a set standard uh-huh. kind of have family rules let's just put it good we have family rules and you're deliberately choosing to walk outside of the family rules mm-hmm. that I see why that's like I am walking into this conversation with you and I'm sort of having to confront or point out to you mm-hmm. ways you're not living up to the standards of the family rules. I'm not sure I would frame it that way with a non-believer or think about it. It's like they don't have a set. So how would I even approach them with a conversation about sin? I think I would probably start really wide and general. What a surprise. And become really specific. <laughs> Specific, right? So it's like I'm thinking of one friend, particularly now that I have who, you know, he's he is not a Christ follower. Would I, how he, how he uses his language? Would I deal with? Would I confront that? No. 
Okay. But if he was starting to steal from his work, I would, would probably I probably would say to him, like, do you realize what you're doing is wrong? It's illegal. Right? Would it's you only point it out though because are you saying, okay, again, go back to family rules. Are you only pointing it out because it's illegal and it could cost him his job, not because it's morally destructive? Yes, all of those things. I mean, right? But I, I think if I was presented with just an opportunity to talk to a friend about sin, I would want to talk general and be like, all have sinned and mm-hmm. fallen short of the glory of God, rather than zooming in on something he or she is doing particularly wrong. I might zoom in with a believer, okay, but I think I would zoom out with a non-believer and be like, hey, do you like? How do you even? Are you a good person? Like, how how do you? I don't even know how you just. It's almost like the difference between evangelism yeah. and discipleship. Sure. Yeah. One's a discipleship conversation with another believer. We're growing as disciples and followers of Christ. One's evangelism first, which is more like sharing the good news. And a part of sharing the good news is sharing the bad news. The bad news is we're all sinful. And here's how our sin Mm -hmm. impacts our lives and the cost. Human, but more importantly, it's between me and God. Like Mm -hmm. when I cuss... It's a sin before God first, and it might offend someone. <laughs> right. But it's right. first a sin before God. That's a different discipleship conversation between two followers of Christ yeah. than it would be with a non-believer. It's like I wouldn't be like, hey, you should stop cussing around me and confront a non-believer about that. It's like well, I, I would be like trying to think of how could I love them and share with them the good news. And part of sharing the good news is the bad news, that we're all sinners and yeah. we've fallen short of the glory of God. Well, if they ask me, what does that mean? I'd be like, well... You know, when you, when you call your mother-in-law a beep, it's like, that's, you know, that's sin before God. Yeah. That's just evidence of sin before God. And it's actually destructive between you and your mother-in-law, too, if you didn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> Poor mother-in-laws. Why do mother-in-laws? Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't mean to bring up mother-in-laws. I love you, mother-in-law. It's nothing to do with that. It's just, it's like, I don't know why I use that. Term. I mean, Jesus, it's interesting. Jesus confronts. I think sin in non-believers. I mean, he says to a group of people, I I didn't come. He says, the healthy don't need a physician. I came for you, basically, you who are sick. He's talking to a group of people. He's he's telling them their sin problem right to their face. Like he's not shy about it. Well, I, I don't think I think I don't think it's a sense of shyness. It's more of an approach. Right, so when he when he says he's a friend of sinners and he's with the drunks and the prostitutes, he spends so much time with drunks and prostitutes that they call him a drunk. Right, right, and it's like when he's hanging out with them, is he calling them, confronting them on all the little, the not the little, the nuances of their sin? Might be right, he's probably talking about a higher level. He's probably not saying, "Hey, put put that substance, that drink down." Whatever. Yeah. He's probably talking at a higher level when when they're ready for it. He's talking to them about that we're all, well, he wouldn't say we're all sinners. Yeah. He would say all of you. Everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else in the room, yeah, yeah. but not me. I mean, I think, I just can't imagine confronting my non-believers on sin. I frame, I would frame it as I have conversations with my non-believer friends about their lifestyle and their choices and looking at their own life and going, do you see the ways that you're disconnected mm-hmm. from God? Okay, just like with, a relationship with a with another believer, all of this that's confronted, that's talked about, best happens in relationship. I think we would agree oh, with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so even as you're going to have a conversation with a non-believer about 
their lifestyle or, or maybe what you see, that's going to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not just walking up to somebody on the street. But how do we then, you know, we're, we're asked to sort of have an opinion about things and make decisions about things. So how do we like look at the larger scale of what's going on in the world and call something sin that maybe has larger ramifications than just in one person's life? Mm-hmm. So we just came out of a political season, right? Came out? We're, we're, and we're done with it? Yeah. Okay. So we heard all kinds of ads nonstop. And and the thing that I would say is, as I listen to some of it, there are certain people or certain things I can't vote for because it's not just a matter of party or opinion or whatever. Like there's actually sin involved. Mm -hmm. How do we call that out from afar? Again, we don't want to be judgy, judgmental Christians, but how do we also call out just objectively that's sin? There are objectively wrong, sinful things that some of my friends do that how do I, if that's objectively wrong, how do I not contribute to it, right? So it's like there's definitely decisions I'm going to have to make with my non-believing friends where I'm not going to, I may not confront it or call it out, but I'm not going to participate in it. Actions, you know, I've been to numerous gatherings with non-Christian friends where the first hour or two is just fine, but hour four to seven gets really, so I'm happy to come for hour one and two because the liquid courage hasn't spread liberally through everyone. It's like I can engage in hour one and two because we're not, you're not a bunch of sloppy drunks, Mm -hmm. but after hour two, I can't, I'm leaving, but I'm not necessarily saying to everybody, well, I'm going because right, right, you're right. a bunch of drunks. Right. It's like, no, that that's not what I'm going to do. But I am going to say, like, I'm not, con- I, There's you're crossing a line of objectively something that's wrong in my category, in my lifestyle. I'm not, I can't participate in that. So sin is objective. We have to. I think we have to maintain the fact, believer to believer, non-believer, that there's objectively right and wrong in this world. Mm-hmm. As followers of Christ, the Bible being our plumb line, there's objectively right and wrong. Now, how do I practically live yeah. with people that have a different value system and standard, right? So with my non-believing people that I live in a different set of standards, I'm going to make decisions that say, I can't be a part of this. But does it like if one of them said to me, "Why do you leave the party every time it, it like strikes two hours in and you and your wife leave?" It's like if they ask me that question, I'm going to be like, "I don't like being around drunks. Mm-hmm. I don't like being around where people are sloppy with alcohol. I don't want to be around that." Is that confronting it? Um, I think that's a form of confronting it. I mean, certainly you could be stronger about it. Yeah. I just worry that not worry. I just wonder if we are so. We don't want to be judgmental, and so we settle for just sort of this quiet passivity all the time that we never address anything. And I'm not saying we should go on a rampage and call out sin left and right, but I also don't think we should be afraid of it. Yeah, It's like when Jesus interacts with people, he says things. Sin no more. He calls them sort of mm-hmm. to the carpet. You know, there's a, there's a scene where uh, he's invited to someone's house for dinner, and is it where, where Mary anoints his feet, and the host, like, freaks out, and he tells the host, like, Bro, get out of the way. Don't you dare stand in front of this. This person is honoring me and worshiping me. Like he calls it out mm-hmm. and he's not just sort of like passive about it. I don't know. 
I mean, I, I would think there's absolutely context if we were in a, in a situation with a group of non-believers, there would be situations like where you'd have to say something like Jesus did. There's also a time, I mean, he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Yeah. Right? There's a time and a place to say and speak everything. Oh, for sure, yeah. Right? And so it's like how and when, like I, I don't want to be small on, like if I was at a party and someone was abusing someone, regardless of Christian, non-Christian, right. I'm stopping, stopping that yeah, and totally. stepping into that and right. going, no. But there's certainly, that's like a, it's a, just a different approach, circumstance to circumstance. Sin is objectively sin. Sin is objectively destructive to our relationship with God and our relationship with other humans. That's just fact. How do I approach that and engage that where there's people in the family that would understand that and people that are out of the family that I want them to come into the family? Mm -hmm. So how I approach that conversation and what that looks like, I don't think Jesus was ever judgmental, but he also didn't shy away from the truth. Mm -hmm. Right, so there's some balance of how does grace and truth work out, knowing where people are coming from, and understanding that everybody's on a different journey and a pace. And how do I be all things to all people, and some will receive Christ because of that? It'd be fun to talk about what is modern, like what does modern evangelism, yeah. relational evangelism, look like oh, today? That's a good one. Like, what does it look like for me not to expect that people are going to come to know Christ because they go to church or watch something online? Yeah that I, you and I both have a responsibility to go and make disciples of all nations, right? And so daily on the regular, what does it look like in my lifestyle to have space for interactions with non-believers? And what does it look like over time to build enough cred to be able to talk about sin with my friends? Mm -hmm. I mean, I have friends I, yep. that are non-believers that I can talk about sin with because right. I have enough relationship with them to be able to say that stuff to them. But it comes over time. At least it's been my experience. It comes over time. So the person who has a friend or a loved one who's not a believer, but they see destruction in their life because mm -hmm. of sin, what what do you what do you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I th I think that because the nature of sin objectively is destructive on a human plane, that's the place to call it. Okay, it's like go go to the person. See, do you see why you're 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 making a decision that's destroying yourself. Mm -hmm. The reason why that's happening is because the Bible actually calls that a sin. And that's just a symptom of all of our greater sinful nature. That's like the reason you're acting that way and doing that is because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I probably would approach it at the human level first and point out the destruction it's causing at a human level between you and the people around you to yourself mm -hmm. and to others and use that as a way to talk about the sin before God. Because if I talked about this at a human level and talked about the destruction mm -hmm. sin causes at a human level, if that's where it stops, then it's just behavior and modification right. and that's judgmental. Right. right. It's like, no, let's enter it from that vantage point and make the bigger connection to how this is actually really about your relationship with God and how all of us are sinners and we've all fallen short of his glory and that's the bad news, here's the good news. If we call out, quote unquote, sin with non-believers and we only make it about behavior modification, we're doing, we're doing a great disservice to that person's soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We're causing them, I mean, I think we're putting an obstacle a stumbling block, mm -hmm. right? Clean up your behavior. I mean, it's pretty much what the Pharisees do and Jesus right? is all over it, right? Clean up your behavior yep. 
and then God will accept you. Right. No, that's not the good right. news of Jesus Christ. God knows that all of us are train wrecks. And because of that, Jesus came while we were yet sinners. So if our interactions at a human level stay at that human level and we're just trying to sort of slapping people on the hand for their behaviors and not seeing that they have a soul that will never die, that mm -hmm. that's more important mm -hmm. than modifying their behaviors, then we're missing an opportunity. It's very interesting to think about in what context, in what, in what normal everyday pedestrian world do we confront people? At what point do you cross a line where this needs a confrontation? Mm -hmm. It's usually safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or something is illegal. Yeah. Right? Like when I think of the word confrontation, there's an urgency around it. Oh, that's a good word. It's like there's something urgent that it's like. I don't step into this now. Someone's getting hurt or hurt themselves yeah. or hurt someone else. Something destructive is going to happen. So I would see like probably that, that is a good, a good example of believer and non-believer. If there's safety and damage and urgency, then there probably is a reason to confront. Okay. Good. <laughs> what? Do you want, do you want do you to want talk to about avocados? No, <laughs> do you want to make some believer and non-believer <laughs> avocados toast? Have you ever had that? I, I just recently had it. No, you t Yes, I did. That is way too... Phenomenal. That is not your... That it, is not your thing. I know. You would think I would turn my nose up at avocado toast, but I don't. I love it. I have not even dabbled. It's, you know what I had? What avocado. Kind of bread? Like on a nice thick Wheat? piece of toast like, like a with wheat. olive oil and basil. Phenomenal. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you next time, you avocados. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>